My name is Jeremy Volo, and you're listening to Reclamation Worship. My name is Jason Allen, and I'm the host of Reclamation Worship, the podcast devoted to reclaiming a biblical view of worship for the church. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Reclamation Worship. I'm honored to have Jeremy Volo back on the podcast today, and we are talking about the importance of theological education. So whether you are a homemaker, as a mom or a dad, or a plumber, or a basketball coach, or a doctor, or an engineer, whatever the Lord has you doing, whatever way He has equipped you to honor Him, to glorify Him, it's my hope that you will listen to this episode and you will hear about the importance of theological education. The Lord has blessed us with minds and with intellect, and one of the ways that we worship Him is through the study of Scripture by learning theology, by plumbing the depths of the knowledge of God. And so it's my hope that you will listen to this episode and be encouraged, be challenged to uh, use the gifts that God has given you and to pursue Him, pursue knowledge of Him as found in His Word and in writings of men and women who have devoted large chunks, large portions of their lives to writing theological works to bless the church. All right, well, let's head on over to the interview. Jeremy, so good to have you on the podcast again. You are the first repeat guest. So, man, thank you for agreeing to come back on. Uh, Jason, it's my privilege, and I'm honored to be a repeat guest. Uh, Love what you're doing here. Great, man. Thank you so much. So, I wanted to talk with you today about uh, the importance of theological education. Um, You recently made a big life move. you and, and your wife and little girl were um, putting down roots in Laredo, Texas and pastoring a church, and y'all made a big decision to move. So tell us what drove that decision uh, to, to move out of Laredo, Texas. Man, that's a big question. Um, there was a lot behind it. Uh, There's a lot of, of thought and prayer and counsel that went into that. Um, it really began several years ago um, as... Well, it kind of began maybe four or five years ago when I went from playing professional soccer to pastoring. Um, in our, in, in my my thinking, I, I wanted to squeeze seminary in somewhere, but just in God's providence, I went literally from stopping um, playing soccer one weekend to the next weekend being asked to, to oversee a church in Laredo. Wow. From the church I was attending in San Antonio. It was a church plant of theirs. And so within that week's span, I didn't have time to attend seminary. <laughs> um, and so what ended up happening was as I was overseeing that little church, eight months later, they called me to be their full-time pastor, went down there. And I went down there with the, the mindset that I was going to spend my life there unless mm-hmm. God made it very clear he was calling me out. I didn't see it as a stepping stone. I didn't see it as a good opportunity to learn how to preach or gain some valuable experience, I saw it as this is a pastorate. They've called me to pastor. So I'm going to shepherd these sheep mm. till the day I die or God calls me elsewhere. Mm. And so I just sought to do that and ended up being in Laredo for four and a half, nearly five years. And it was actually about three years ago in 2000, 
17 when I had been forming some relationships soon after getting married with um, some of the pastors and members of the church here at Grace Community Church in California, where John MacArthur pastors. And in summer of 2017, my wife Ginger and I made a visit out to California to visit the church and to meet up with some people. And they actually uh, brought seminary up to me where we just discussed um, the master's seminary here and the, and the possibilities or you know option of, of going. And for me, it was just not an option. I just didn't even consider it to be a viable option because I was pastoring in Laredo, didn't see myself leaving there, um, had a stewardship there. And so I thought really nothing of it. I did ask uh, Dr. Lawson, um, Dr. Steve Lawson, during that trip about the seminary and, and about men in the ministry who don't go to seminary. And he gave me a very good uh, response. What he said was, Charles Spurgeon never went to seminary. And Martin Lloyd-Jones never went to seminary. Mm. But for the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> and I got his point. Sure. Um, sure. <laughs> and so uh, he, he was very um, positive about attending seminary and gaining a theological, formal theological ed- education. Um, but for me, it just wasn't, wasn't something I was considering just because of the ministry in Laredo. I just didn't see myself, nor did I have a desire to leave. Mm. And so it wasn't until the next Shepherds Conference in 2018 where I had been thinking about taking some classes online. And so I thought, you know what, I could take some online seminary classes. And I sat down with one of the professors and pastors here at Grace Church after Shepherds Conference in 2018. And that's when he brought up the possibility of of doing the master's seminary courses online. Mm. And after prayer, after consideration, after spending a few weeks thinking about it, I decided to do that. And so in fall 2018, I began taking online courses and I realized several things. The first thing I realized was how remarkable that education and opportunity was. Mm. Here I had professors who had been teaching these subjects for decades, who were, who were swimming in the scriptures, knew the scriptures you know, like the back of their hands and just just experts in their various fields. And here they were, week in and week out, twice a week, just sharing the knowledge and their insights from the word. And I just was having my eyes open to this ocean of, of, of knowledge and, and insight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was realizing, wow, what an incredible resource this was. But at the same time, I was realizing that I was being stretched pretty thin. So I was taking just three introductory classes online mm-hmm. and pastoring the church and realizing, okay, I, I'm doing both of these okay, but if I'm going to really pursue a theological education and do all 96 or 98 credits mm-hmm. and not just introductory classes, but higher level theological courses and homiletics and the languages, Hebrew, Greek, it was really going to either be a snail's pace for the next decade, mm. um, or I was going to do a disservice to that opportunity and really not gain what I should gain, or hurt the church mm. and neglect the responsibilities I have there. Yeah, And so I felt this tension. And it was towards the end of that semester that the Lord really seemed to press on my heart and my wife at the same time the thought about praying about going to 
the master seminary. It wasn't even a concluded idea of, okay, this is what we must do. It was just, we were just praying about the possibility of even considering it mm. uh, because I did not want to neglect the stewardship I had as a pastor in Laredo. And so it was after about four or five months of uh, much prayer, much counsel, that we finally uh, determined that this is where God's leading us. Mm. And so um, I think it was in March of this year, the Lord finally confirmed and um, we let the church know that that's where we were moving. And there's so many parts and pieces sure. in that, Jason, you know, and, and we could delve into any one of them. But it was a, it was a long process, a, a prayerful process. And really what it came down to was stewardship. Mm. I needed to be a good steward of the pastorate in Laredo yeah. to care for the, the sheep that the Holy Spirit had put me in charge of there. But I also needed to steward the resource and opportunity he was giving with seminary. Mm. And so in my prayers and my wife's prayers, we were asking the Lord to guide us that we might be the best stewards of what he's given us. And so it really came down to a decision on stewardship. Mm. That's great. I, not lost on me is your heart for the local church. Uh, you and I talked about that last time. Um, I think your your dad really impressed upon you uh, the importance of um, what God has given local elders uh, to um, to steward uh, that that great word that you mentioned. Uh, and so it's not a decision that uh, that you arrived at easily. And so that. Um, that really speaks volumes, and uh, I'm so so thankful to hear you walk us through that decision. And uh, and it's not something you wake up one morning and say, "Hey, let's move, let's go to to seminary." So um, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, it's 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 not a light thing to be a pastor. Um, sadly, I think it's an easy trap for us to fall into is to look at the ministry like we look at other career opportunities. Yeah. And to kind of weigh them based on very external, very shallow, very temporal uh, measurements. So we're looking at, well, how many people numerically can I impact? Mm. What kind of financial reward can I get from this opportunity or that opportunity? And those are definitely factors that God uh, places into our paths and, and we need to consider but if those become, and it's it's an easy temptation to succumb to, if those become the determining factors for ministry, we're in a we're in a bad place. Because, yeah. as Paul said to the Ephesian elders, um, the Holy Spirit made them overseers, mm. and the wording which really should send chills down the spine of any man pursuing pastoral ministry is when he says in Acts 20, verse 28, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Mm. Mm. He has put into your possession as an under-shepherd yeah. the church which he purchased by his blood. Mm. That's not a light matter. Right. So you're looking at that obtained church, that church that has been redeemed by Christ's slaughter on the cross and saying, well, there's not really enough people there. I need a bigger platform. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whoa, right. you check yourself. And yeah. that's exactly the terror that was in my heart is I don't care how many people are in this church. I don't care where this church is. I don't care 
what kind of people or socioeconomic statuses or anything. All I care about is, has God put me as the overseer to shepherd them? If the answer is yes, then I need to faithfully shepherd them. Mm. And that's why it literally took years for me even to consider the possibility that God might be leading me away from that stewardship. Right. And, and it wasn't until God made it explicitly clear that he was indeed the one leading me away from that stewardship. Jason, my wife and I trembled at the thought of stepping away from the ministry in Laredo mm-hmm. if it wasn't God's will for us to do so. Right. If it was our fleshly craving or desire or inklings, I, we needed, and that's why we spent months mm. in counsel and prayer yeah. to finally determine, okay, this is the Lord leading us where mm. he's leading us. Mm. That's so helpful. Yeah. So big move from Texas to California, you shared um, where you are. So Jeremy, what were some of the theological distinctives that drove you to choosing master seminary? There, there are plenty of great seminaries across the country. Um, but you chose masters for a specific reason or reasons. So could you share some of those with us? Yeah, absolutely. So there's one distinctive that I think rises above the rest about masters and why I didn't even consider another seminary to attend. Um, And it's this, if you look through the history of the Christian church since uh, Pentecost, Satan has, schemed and planned certain attacks against the church at large. Mm. And so you can trace, you you could even look at the councils and creeds and you can trace what those attacks were, whether it was the deity of Christ, whether it was the authority and and papal structures and, and uh, the icons in the church and various, various issues that have arisen. Um, In our day, what is under attack is the sufficiency mm. of Scripture. Right, right. And when you talk about the sufficiency of Scripture, that God's Word, all of Scripture is God-breathed and is, is uh, sufficient for the man of God to be mm. trained, equipped, that he may be complete. When you talk about this reality that God's Word is not only authoritative, but it's sufficiently authoritative, meaning we need no authority outside of God's word. There is, for me, in my mind, one place to be theologically trained, mm. and that's the Master Seminary. Mm. I'm not saying there's not other good seminaries, and sure. there's not other good seminaries that uphold the sufficiency of Scripture. But in my mind and experience, there wasn't a question for me uh, mm. where else I would go um, and there are excellent seminaries. I need to give that caveat. Sure, um, sure. But for me, it was the Master Seminary. It was the ministry of John MacArthur, which has over decades, mm. five decades, proven to be a ministry committed not to a man, not to a tradition, but to the Word of God and Amen. exalting the Word of God and thus exalting the speaker of the Word, God Himself. And so there really wasn't a second thought uh, for me. And you can talk about masters and say, well, what about this distinctive or that distinctive? Sure. And within the body of Christ, we differ on various points of secondary doctrine, but they unequivocally uphold God's word 
as the standard for life and godliness and refuse to budge on that. And mind you, they're upholding that within arguably the most secular Mm. and influentially secular city in the world, in the middle of Los Angeles. (laughs) And there's no equivocating, there's no capitulating, there's no bowing to pressure, whether it's coming from Democrats or Republicans, whether it's coming from governments, whether it's coming from the uh, census, whether it's coming from individual members or visitors or the ethos of the age, there's no equivocation, there's no capitulation, there's no bowing to pressure. It is purely week in and week out, thus says the Lord. Mm. This is what God's word declares. Amen. Amen. So Masters is unique in that you have the close connection with Grace uh, Church there. Um, you sit in, this, in, the, in the classroom uh, during the week, and then you have an opportunity to, to join with the people of God on Sunday and, and worship. Uh, does your heart just rejoice on Sunday mornings over the truths that you've learned all week? So a, a huge dimension, and, and thinking on the track of theological training, uh, a huge dimension and a huge advantage that the Master Seminary has is it is located not only on the campus of Grace Community Church, but it's interwoven into the life of Grace Community Church. Mm. So I could count on one hand, and I've not met all of them, but I could count on one hand the men I've met at the seminary who attend different churches. And typically that's because they're serving at those churches as youth ministers or associate pastors. And so they're coming to be equipped. Um, But for the large part, those who are attending the church are being pastored on the same campus. Mm. And so their professors, many of them, not all of them, but many of them are also the shepherds of their souls. And so they're not having this theological training that's divorced from the practical ecclesiology. They're not learning heady theology, and having that be utterly detached from the practical life of the Christian. They're learning high theology from scholars Mm. and experts in various fields, but then they're coming on a Saturday morning and in their community groups throughout the week and engaging in church life. So let me just say, you're not going to walk onto the campus of the Master's Seminary on a Sunday at 11 a.m. and see guys throwing a Frisbee around in the quad. Mm. and go, where's, where's church? Like, right. What are you guys doing? No, they're engaged. They're actively participating and being shepherded. And mm. there are men who go through the program and may not graduate if the moral failings in their life or they are not walking what they're saying in the classroom. So there's this pastoral dimension mm. that can only be tied to the church. That only has the power of the church. Professors do not have authority to shepherd souls, but elders and pastors do. Mm. And so that is a huge component. And you speak to the joy dimension. Um, If you've not worshiped at Grace Community Church, uh, I I would strongly commend you at some point Mm. to make the trip out, to bring the family, because... It is uh, an astonishing experience, just the uniqueness of the ministry. It's so well established. Mm. So when Pastor John came, there's just a few hundred people here. Well, God has sovereignly ordained this church to grow. And so there's thousands of of members. And because of that, you're in the heart of Los Angeles. So you have uh, very talented members that have come here for their various fields, whether it's uh, singing or 
or playing a musical instrument. And so you've got this chorus of wonderful voices. You've got world-class musicians leading the singing and, and the, the praise uh, through song each week. Mm. And so it's almost this, this heavenly divine experience as you walk into the auditorium week in and week out. Mm. So guys come for shepherd's conference once a year or families come for the grace to you conference and they, they experience this and they're just blown away. And as a member of the church, that's just our weekly experience. And wow. it's, it's, uh, it's special. And I think we know we're spoiled in that regard. <laughs> um, but it's a very, it's a very unique, but a very special, uh, reality being mm. at grace church mm. but what's so stunning is that the experience of grace church as a visitor or the day in and day out experience of grace church as a member and and as glorious as that is it's predicated upon nothing else other than the simple declaration of mm. the word of god wow so there's not a strategy strategy to draw in seekers. Mm. It's just the simple declaration of the word of God and faithfulness to how God commands us to worship him and to to live life as a body. Right. Well, that's fantastic. And look, the results speak for themselves. I mean, you you look at the ministry that has taken place there um, and the reputation of that church and uh, and knowing, hearing your your testimony there that uh, that all of it has happened because of the faithful proclamation of God's word and that alone, um, that should send a, a clear signal to everyone that, hey, God's church can be built on his word and uh, we shouldn't resort to all the gimmicks and and all of the, um, the, the showy uh, things that we tend to want to rely on, things that the world would suggest for us to, uh, to use. Um, so it's so encouraging to hear that uh, that God's word and the proclamation of it has done the work and uh, and has built grace into what it is. So uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, I mean, if you think about who's who's the one who promised that the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against the church, right? Right. Well, well Christ Christ did. Okay. Well, I think we should take a cue from that and say, well, then maybe we should listen to Christ on how to run the church. Yeah. He promised us the gates of hell won't prevail. Yes, even in 2019 secular America. Right. So why don't we listen to him about how to operate within the church? Yes, yes. So we take the promise that it, the gates of hell won't prevail, but then we say, but clearly his method of preaching the word and being faithful to the various elements of, of church life, that's not going to work. So let's resort to something else. Right. Well, then you've abandoned the church and you've then abandoned the promise of Christ to the church. Mm. Um, the gates of hell will prevail against secular business models, right? The gates of hell will prevail against country clubs, but the gates of hell cannot prevail against Christ's church. And so mm. we need to listen to the one who promised us that victory. Uh, we need to listen to him on how to run the church, which is his body. Amen. Amen. Jeremy, you've just completed your first semester of uh, studies there on campus. So what's the most significant thing that you've learned so far? That's a tough question. <laughs> um, I think a significant thing that I've learned is that Greek is not easy. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a beautifully complex language, which is um, no wonder that God 
determined it to be the language in which he he had the New Testament written mm. because it's very precise, mm. uh, but precision is complicated. Mm. Um, so that's been fun. But <laughs> as far as uh, as far as uh, the the biggest thing I've learned, my that's that's hard to to quantify. I I would say that um, there's there's the depths of the ocean, which mm. is God's word, mm. are inexhaustible. Mm. And so here I am one semester down in seminary and having been in ministry now uh, half a decade, which is nothing in comparison to the faithfulness of, of men and women through the, through the centuries. And there's every day, there's a new dimension of God's truth to discover. And so the beauty of its simplicity that we glory in the gospel on a daily basis, mm. and yet the beauty of its complexity that you can, you can dive deeper into this ocean and never get to the bottom. Mm. As one man who has been preaching for nearly five decades himself, uh, one of the most faithful men I personally know has, has once said, he's, he, he, and, and this man can preach a sermon on nearly any topic with no notes. Wow. And he said he feels like he's in, in kindergarten in the, in the school of God's knowledge. And mm. that's, how, that's how I certainly feel as a, sem- a seminary student. Um, but it's, it's a wonderful testimony to the profundity of God's Word. Amen. So what are you hoping to do uh, with the education you receive? So we, we're not studying to be puffed up uh, or to let this education terminate on itself. So what are you hoping to do once you have gotten the degree and finished your formal training there at the school? Yeah, so I believe the Lord has called me to pastor. Um, I think the last years have confirmed that. Um, not only is it the desire of my heart, but um, I've, I've seen God bless that and, and bring fruit. And my desire is if the Lord would, would see fit to allow me to continue to pastor. And so I want to be greater equipped to serve the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, I didn't come just to uh, have a resume. I didn't come just to fill my head with more knowledge and win online debates. Um, I, I came to pastor. I want to shepherd souls. I want to be in the trenches with, with, the body of Christ uh, and minister the word to Christ's people. Amen. So one thing that I noticed when I was uh, in seminary was just the, um, you, you mentioned complex uh, complexities of Greek a minute ago, uh, how the Lord drew this complex group of people uh, into theological education to pursue theological education. Um, I knew engineers, lawyers, uh, moms who had been homemakers, who still were homemakers. Um, I, I had a great friend who was a, a former professional baseball player. Um, people from all walks of life came to study God's word and to be equipped for service to the church. Have you been surprised at the uniqueness of people that, that God has pulled into the master seminary there, people that you've met this semester? Has that struck you? Yeah, what's astonishing is that there's there's a wide breadth, like you said, of of demographic, but they're all coming for the same purpose. Mm. You know, I've met uh, women um, in the church here who are deeply saturated in the Word of God, from mm. whom I, I've I've look up to and and can learn much from, and I've met young men who are serving faithfully where God's placed them, 
you see all these different walks of life and ages and positions, and there's something we can learn from them all. And and I think what um, God has done or demonstrated in in doing that, which is the 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 breadth and the width and the diversity of his bride. He's not just called a certain people from a certain place um, or a certain you know, ethnicity or, or cultural identity. Um, is, is the, the intense uh, practicality of mm. theology that the study of God has an immediate effect on every single person's life. Amen. It has an immediate effect practicality for every living soul. We are not studying uh, redemption and justification and uh, penal substitution and the atonement and the deity of Christ and triunity and languages. And we're not studying all of this just to write books that other people studying all of those subjects will read and then write other books and just to perpetuate knowledge in the world. That's not the purpose. The purpose is to perpetuate knowledge for the sake of glorifying God in worship. Amen. From the, the, the plumber to the lawyer to the homemaker to the construction worker to the teacher at school to the bus driver taking the kids to school to every living person on God's earth, the study of God has immediate implication for their life. Mm. And so all we're trying to do in studying theology, and to whatever degree, whether you've taken your family from Texas to the center of Los Angeles and given yourself to, to plant roots uh, there and to study and get a degree like I have with my family, or whether it's through opening God's Word in your kitchen with a coffee before your hectic day begins and studying God's Word and being involved in your local church and learning from your pastors and, and teachers, whatever uh, pursuit or, or, or uh, dimension of pursuing God's Word you stand, the purpose is to be greater informed about your God in order to worship your God. Mm. And it's when I say worship your God, and I know you have a passion for this, I don't mean as you've said, the first 30 minutes of a Sunday service Mm -hmm. where, oh, that's worship. No, what I mean is that with every breath you breathe, with every thought you think, you are seeing this world through the lens of who God is, what he has done, what he is doing, and what he still yet will do, and you respond appropriately to that. Amen. Meaning in times of plenty, and blessing, you glorify and give thanks to this good God who's given you these gifts. That's good. In times of trial and pain and tribulation, unimaginable pain that only you can experience and feel because you're going through it, that you will worship God as good with a thankful heart. And like Job say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that you would be worshipful. And in that worship, you are realigned with your purpose. And it's there in that realigned purpose where you're connected with your creator as you ought to be, that you find love, joy, peace, satisfaction. That's why we study God's word. Mm. Stand up 
and to fill God's people's hearts and minds with the reality and the greatness and the grandeur of this God that they might live life in a worshipful way and thus find true satisfaction and joy in life. That's so good. That's so good. Well, as we round the corner and uh, come to the the end of our talk here on the importance of theological education, I, I want to um, talk about the connection between the heart and the head. I, I remember um, as I was getting ready to go off to seminary, uh, I had naysayers from the church that I was a member of who said, you know, they're going to they're gonna mess with your head. Uh, they, they called it uh, jokingly, they called it cemetery, you know, instead of seminary. Um, and, and, and it seems like in the evangelical church, we have disconnected the heart from the head. And uh, we, have, um, we have viewed or, or come to view the, the head as um, an area that we should, uh, you know, cordon off and uh, not uh, give any undue attention toward, you know, we should only guard and protect our hearts. Uh, so let's talk briefly about um, why uh, the average man or woman uh, who might not think much about theological education, why they should think about theological education. Why is it important to the average man or woman in church who is not aspiring to uh, shepherd a church as a pastor? Yeah, well, there's many ways to answer that. Um, I think knowledge does have a propensity to puff up and make arrogant which is why Paul warns against that, which is why he speaks to it in 1 Corinthians 13 and say, if I have all knowledge, but have not love, it's nothing. Mm. Uh, but just because we have a propensity in our sinful nature to abuse something doesn't actually speak to the validity of that thing. And so, yes, you can look and, and mass at the church and say, um, theological study and knowledge can puff up. Yeah, but the same arrogance can come through in those who, who decry that theological training mm. and say, we don't need all that theology. And then the same pride comes forward of, we just speak about Jesus and love. Um, well, neither are good options. There's, yeah. there's for every mile of, of road, there's two miles of ditches, right? right. So for every truth, there's, there's going to be errors on both sides. And so what we need is we need to be balanced and we need to pursue Christ-likeness. That's the goal of the Christian life. Yeah. Sanctification is the theological term, but what it means is we're pursuing Christ-likeness. Well, let's look at Christ. He preached homiletical masterclasses. Mm. That means he preached amazing sermons. Right. And he fed the poor and he sat with the sick, and he loved the oppressed, and he cared for those who were uncared for and ignored. Why this perfect balance? Well, as John tells us, he was full of grace and truth. Mm. There was this perfect balance in Christ. And so I want to be like that. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to espouse knowledge and say, I'm smarter than everyone. And look, I have learning for the sake of learning, but nor do I want to ignore the beautiful gems of truth. Doesn't Proverbs tell us to search for truth as for hidden treasure? Mm, yeah. If I told any of your listeners, hey, there's a million dollars in a briefcase somewhere on the premises where you are, they wouldn't after 30 minutes go, oh, well, 
I'm good. They would search until they find it. Right. Well, Proverbs tells us that actually the, the, the treasures, the, the, the gemstones of God's truth are more valuable than gold or silver. It's more valuable than any monetary gain. So why wouldn't you spend time and energy and resource digging out those truths? Amen. Yeah. Well, you respond and say, I would. Okay. Theological training. That's what that is. That's all it is. Right. We're just mining the truths of God's word. We're just at the mountain with our pick and our axe, and we're searching for diamonds. And we're trying to go deep. And we're, we're using our energy and our resources to do so. Yet, because of our propensity as sinful people to pride, we need to actively remain engaged in practical day-to-day ministry mm. to see the outworking of those truths. Mm-hmm. So for me as a young man, I need to be engaged in the church on a very practical level, counseling people and taking these truths that I'm learning in the classroom and applying them to mothers and fathers and children and college students and high school students and people who are wrestling with day-to-day trials of life to stay engaged so that I don't remain locked up in this ivory tower of knowledge and I never come down into the populace and and use that knowledge. So that's one dimension. Now, the other dimension I'd like to say about about defending the search for truth and theological training is, how else do you expect to know who your God is, Christian? Mm -hmm. But by revelation. Mm. He's revealed himself in creation, which we see all around us, which we should not downplay. Read Mm -hmm. Romans 1. Mm -hmm. The, The rocks cry out at the glory of our maker. And those who reject that natural revelation will give an account. Secondly, there's the revelation upon our hearts, which the conscience bears witness to. So the natural understanding of right and wrong. But there is this divine special revelation in the word of God, by which God has on the pages of scripture revealed the word, the logos, Jesus Christ who is the full expression of God the Father. Mm. He is the final and full expression. He's the perfect imprint of God, Jesus Christ. How are you going to discover this God? How are you going to discover who he is, what he's like, how to honor him, how to love him, how to serve him, how to be in relation with him, how to please him, how to enjoy him, except by delving into the revelation that he has given you in his word. Mm. So open the pages of scripture. Yeah. Study the word of God. And don't be arrogant in thinking that you don't need 2,000 years of church history where God has revealed to other men and women insights into his word that would be a benefit to your soul. Don't discard that in arrogance and say, I don't need that. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see truth in God's word, yes, but he's also opened others' eyes to see truths that we may not have seen. And so lean upon godly men and women through church history who have much to tell us, much to teach us. After all, if you look in the book of Ephesians, God has given those teachers as gifts to his church. Mm. And so we ought not to presume in arrogance that we don't need any of that and we can stay cooped up in our room, and we just need the Bible and ourselves. Yes, that is enough. 
the Holy Spirit within us, opening our eyes to see Scripture, but he has given us gifts for our edification and sanctification, teachers and pastors and other members, other parts of the body of Christ to help us and edify us. So I would say don't despise theological training. How else will you learn about your God and come to love him and serve him uh, in a in a more God-honoring way? That's so good. Uh, so not everybody can do as you and I did pull up from life and, and transplant their families to another city and study um, in, in a seminary. So thoughts on what men and women uh, can do, should do to pursue theological education where they are. If, if God has called them to a work um, and to a vocation uh, that they stay plugged in, but how can they pursue theological education and stay committed to the church that God has uh, put them in, in whatever city they find themselves in? I think the answer to your question is interrelated in the question. Um, the, the local church is a huge dimension where do not despise your local church pastors. Mm. Because as I said in Acts 20 earlier, they are the ones God has put to care for your soul. Mm. So don't stay home from church to pull up YouTube and listen to John Piper and to learn from him. That's a great secondary resource, Mm -hmm. but your primary resource as a Christian needs to be, well, A, your own devotion to God's word, your Mm -hmm. daily sitting in and simmering in the word of God in prayer. But second to that is your commitment to the local church where you are being poured into I mean, you think about it. If you're in a biblical church that is committed to God's word, your pastor for one sermon is probably spending anywhere from five to 15 hours preparing that message Mm. that you'll hear in 35 to 45 minutes. Right. Upwards of 10, 12, 15 hours is not uncommon for an expository preacher where they are praying and laboring and pouring into that text in order to feed it to you in that condensed time, value that. Mm -hmm. That is intense theological training. Mm -hmm. And if you're not in a biblical church, I'd say that needs to be your first order of business. Sure. Um, But aside from being plugged in on a daily basis with your devotions, with your local church, I would A, ask your pastor, but with the internet age, we have untold new number of resources at our fingertips. Mm. A large amount of the master seminary courses are available on, I think, Vimeo and YouTube. Okay. They're just right there. Now you won't walk away with a degree um, on your resume, but it's right there. I know RTS, Reformed Theological Seminary, if you download their app, has dozens, if not hundreds, of their classes available. Mm. And I listen to those. You can Reformed Baptist Seminary, RBS, if you Google them, they'll, for very inexpensive cost, you can be trained theologically. Uh, I think it's something like $75 per credit hour, which is remarkably uh, inexpensive. And they have courses for laymen. Um, For men and women, you can study through those. So there's unbelievable resources available online. Um, And so I would just say, be intentional, be disciplined and intentional, set a schedule for yourself. Years ago, when I was being called to ministry, I committed to waking up very early in the morning. And every morning, um, before six o'clock in the morning, I was listening to 
uh, teaching from one pastor on theological topics, which are very theological and yet very practical, um, and just just filling my mind throughout the rest of the day with that teaching and just mm-hmm. committing myself on a daily basis. So it, it takes work and you have to be intentional. But let me just give you this illustration, Jason. This has been helpful for me. If, if you were a, 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 a miner for diamonds and you woke up early in the morning and you said, okay, I need to go search for diamonds. And you get you know, your little pickaxe and, and you get to the edge of the mountain and you look up and you look around and you, you say, I, I don't see any diamonds. There, there's no glistening. Now, if you're mining for diamonds, do you just say, well, I guess I'll come back tomorrow? <laughs> well, no, you, you start chipping away. And what happens is it's hard work, it takes discipline, it takes intentionality because all you see is this dirty mountain, but you're, you, you start to dig and you start to dig and you start to dig and then all of a sudden you hear this little tinkle and what pops out? A diamond in the rough mm-hmm. and it glistens against the sunlight and what goes through your whole body, this shot of adrenaline and right. excitement. But then what's your reaction? Do you just put it in your pocket and say, well, now I'll go home. No, no, now you say, oh my, I, I've hit the mother load. And you start, you start tinker, tinkering away more and more and more and digging more and more because you found one, there's more. And then all of a sudden there's one, there's two, there's three, there's four, there's five. That doesn't cause you to want to go home. That calls you want to dig harder. And before you know it, you've got sweat caked in mud and you're tired, but you couldn't care less because you're, you've found diamonds. That's great. That's the picture of God's word. Mm. So as we study, we get deeper and deeper. And yeah, it's hard work. Mm. And yeah, it takes intentionality. But the reward is eternally beneficial for you and for those around you. So I would encourage you to study and to study hard and be intentional individually in your church, but then outside resources are plentiful as well. Mm. That's so good. And, And I will certainly link to... Uh, Master Seminary, uh, some of the courses there, our friends at Banner of Truth and uh, Ligonier. I mean, you're right. There, there are just so many phenomenal resources out there. Uh, so I will certainly link to some of those in the show notes. Uh, Jeremy, it has been a pleasure to have you on. So uh, as we wrap up, anything uh, that you would like to uh, promote or, or talk about anything you've got going on that you'd like to encourage folks to look into? Yeah, I would just like to encourage everyone listening we can be so caught up with the the daily you know issues of life we can get caught up with the theological trends or the theological debates going on in the in the online sphere heavy on my heart recently has just been to remind christians don't forget the glorious gospel to which you're calling people mm. read the book of first thessalonians and specifically in the second chapter you see Paul reiterating the gospel of God, the gospel of God, the gospel of Christ. And what he's inviting them to is he's inviting them into the kingdom of God and glory. Mm. He's inviting them into the glorious kingdom of God, whereby you can be reconnected with your maker and enjoy true, genuine satisfaction in this life and the next. Don't forget in your life and in your words, to your neighbors and coworkers, to those around you, don't forget to put before their eyes this majestic Savior in all of his beauty. Show them Christ, Mm. the beauty of Christ. Like the Gadarean who 
had just been delivered from Legion, he was told by Jesus, you can't come with me now. Mm. Instead, stay and tell the people what I've done for you. Mm. I think we often forget just to simply tell people what Jesus has done for us. Amen. We talk about theological training. You don't have to go door knocking and be able to explain substitutionary atonement and propitiation to every person around you. But you can go to your neighbor or your coworker today and say, hey, Eric, have I ever told you what Jesus has done for me? Mm. Hey, Susan, could we get a coffee? I just want to tell you what Jesus has done for me. Amen. You don't have to be polemical. You don't have to have a, a, a in-your-face rebuke. Just tell them what Jesus has done for you and offer them that Savior to themselves or to them, your, your friends. So we've got to be reminded of that. I need to be reminded of that. So I hope that's a helpful reminder to all listening. It is. Yeah. I mean, you're so right. It's so easy to be discouraged uh, these days with uh, everything happening uh, in the media and uh, even within our own circles, Christian circles uh, on social media. Uh, we get so uh, deep in the weeds and we forget what this is all about, I feel like. So uh, great word, man. And uh, so thankful for your heart. Um, and the Lord bless you as you continue your theological education. And uh, I'm so thankful for you, Jeremy. Thanks, brother. Thank you, brother. It's a privilege to be on. Well, once again, I'd like to thank Jeremy for coming on the podcast. I want to invite you to head over to reclamationworship.com. There in the show notes, you will find the information that you heard Jeremy mention. You can also take a look at the other podcast episodes that have been recorded. Check us out on Instagram at Reclamation Worship. We are on Facebook at Reclamation Worship and Twitter at Reclamation HQ. Head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review. And until next time, solely Deo Gloria.